ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our host for this podcast, Miss Mirna Faye Agsaoui. Welcome to the Great Glory and Gratitude Podcast. This podcast is designed for survivors and champions. I'm Mirna Fexa-Uyu and I'm here to help you become a master of true grit. Every Wednesday, you'll get new insights and inspiration from my solo episodes and my guest interviewees, local and international. We'll be providing you tips on how to rekindle your passion, perseverance, resilience, initiative, and courage, regardless of your situations and circumstances in life. After each episode, we could continue our sharing and conversations in great glory and gratitude Facebook group, and I'm hoping to see you out there in our inclusive community. Life is a continuous journey. You are the captain of your own ship. Hello again, everyone. I'm back with my podcast, Rich, Laura, and Gratitude. And today, we have a very special guest all the way from Nebraska. Yes. Um, she's actually a well-known public speaker and with 35 certifications under her belt. She's a solo parent of seven wonderful kids and she also has a condition that she'll be talking about later on. Everyone, let's welcome Andrea Evans. Thank you, Myrna. I appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure to have you here. It's I know you have a very interesting story and people will really pick up a lot from you. So starting off with my first question, this is very relevant right now. How have you been managing with this pandemic situation? Well, when you talk about true grit, you have to really try to figure out the true grit of surviving what we're going through with this pandemic. So me being a developer of programming that we put into the community, usually it's in person. We've had to change things to do things virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned and have been training others how to participate and still have their programming and speaking engagements, but doing it virtually as opposed to in person. I see this pandemic and some people think I'm crazy as a blessing because it's the first time in my life that I've had the chance to just sit down. I mean, you know, with 40 certifications and seven children, you know, I'm always busy. So this has given me a chance to search inside myself and come back to the art. I love to draw. I love to, oh. to I love dancing. I think okay. art is therapy for us. Yeah. So I've been surviving it. Um, it. It was scary. It's kind of still scary, you know? Until now. Yes, until <laughs> we now. We haven't graduated from it. <laughs> Not yet, no. Yeah, maybe you'll stay for some time. You have to accept that and try to coexist with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Yeah. yeah, and we all have to adjust. We have no choice. It's the only option yes. that we have. Yes. Now because it's about grit. <laughs> That's right. True grit. That's so true. It is about true grit. You know, when you talked about true grit or when I saw this, I love to do research. I love to, you know, figure words out. And um, when we talk about a rekindle or true grit, it's about delight, you know, relighting a fire or reviving something that's that's been lost. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, you, we've had a lot of losses with this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I lost my brother to COVID. And so... Oh, you, so 
you have to survive. Thank you. You you have to continue. My brother, his spirit is still with me. That's how I survived. And that's the true grit that carries me through knowing that I have to have the courage and the strength to show my true character, my passions and my perseverance. I think we all have to, like you said, we have to adapt. Right. Yeah. So can you share to us your struggles about being a single mom? Well, being a single mom, when you're young, I had my first child at 17. And uh, my high school, when they found out I was pregnant, told me I could not walk across the stage with my peers to graduate because I'm considered as a bad influence Mm -hmm. and told me to go get my GED. And so... I did. I didn't let it stop me. I went and got my GED and, and um, continued with my education from that time. It was hard because I went to college with my children. I grew up with my children. So when I was working and going to school, it was hard. A lot of things happened. Trusting babysitters who have harmed my children, those types of things, and still have to try to survive somehow, still have that grit to continue to thrive in life. It's been hard. I've been on welfare, receiving benefits from the government because the daddies, I tried to have relationships with at least four men that I've had children with. And people could judge me, you know, and they do, you know, like I'm a loose woman or something of that Mm -hmm. nature. The stigma of being a single mom. The stigma of that. But Mm -hmm. truly, the story is I tried with, yeah, I tried with these four men. I gave one man eight years. You know, these men abused me. You know what I'm saying? And I I still gave all that time to them. But they blessed me with my children. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd have that focus to keep me driven and doing the right things that I need, you know, and learning. It was very difficult. I understand. I've been there. My daughter is 18. But she's alone. I understand the drive. We tried to be in a relationship like you did, but mm-hmm. when it doesn't work or we get emotionally hurt or physically hurt or anything like that that you've been through, I understand that we all need to get out of it, out of that toxic relationship. Although people would really judge you. Oh, there you go again. Mm-hmm. I told you so. Yes. <laughs> right. But at least you're blessed with having a lovely kid. Yes. And, and they're very big now. <laughs> Yes, there. I only have two in the home now. Everyone's launching well into the world. And so I'm blessed by that. I'm sure people looked at me and said, this single mother with seven kids, she's not going to be anything. Her kids will never amount to anything. She's a single parent. They've all made me proud. They're all doing great things. They keep me busy. I'm, I have one son who's a MMA fighter and they call him Spider-Man. And <laughs> really? he, yes, he's a hometown hero. He saved a woman from being robbed in bright broad daylight and he's doing a documentary about his life that I'm a part of. I have a daughter who moved away to Colorado from Nebraska Mm -hmm. and I'm proud of her because she had the courage to move away and go launch her own life somewhere else. I had fear. I had stigma. Um, I was afraid to. Yes. My my mom too when she was alive. Like I wanted to go visit the city. I wanted to go abroad and all that but you know she was always very worried for me especially I have a daughter who was always attached to me and she always cried every day when I called so I couldn't get away 
<laughs> it was hard for me to get away from my daughter. I know it, it is hard. I started relying on my family to be my social support. And that has really served me well with my children because then I found people that I could trust to care for my children when I be in school or mm-hmm. be working two jobs mm-hmm. to make ends meet for us. It was quite a journey, but I look at my children now and I'm proud. I'm a proud mother. I, I smile and look at my beautiful children and I know that I'm blessed to be loved so much. You are. Definitely you are. Yeah. And uh, I think you've mentioned to me that you are also living with a condition. I would like our listeners to know how strong you are. So you're not only a solo parent, but you're also living with a certain condition and yet you're still there thriving. Can you share to us what is all about your condition? Yes. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2015 and And I loved my hair. I loved my braids and and having the culture of having my beads. And I lost all my hair. And that made me feel ugly. I was working with a drill team one time. And we were outside and I was showing them a spin and I wanted to share it with them, but I was scared. And so when I did the spin, the wind pulled the wig off my head. So the kids saw my bald head. My back was to them. And I turned around and saw they looked so shocked. I had to laugh at my silliness of being afraid to share myself with those students. And it brought empathy and it brought me closer with those students. Um, So finding some courage within it. But when they found out I had thyroid cancer, they removed my thyroid, which really caused me to, I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, your thyroid deals with your heart and I have a heart condition. I have a heart murmur on top of Mm -hmm. that and high blood pressure. So, I mean, it was it put me at really high risk. They had to moderate my medication and my medication goes by my weight. So if I lose weight, then I have too much in my system. My body start functioning wrong and fatigue and stuff like that. And then if I gain weight and I don't have enough, it's even worse. And so it's regulated by my weight. That's been a struggle since 2015 to maintain the dosage that I need for my body to function properly. Are you okay now? Well, I'm doing okay. I did have my appointment for the year, the beginning of this month, and everything was looking good. I even lost weight, which can be a struggle, (laughs) like I said, with the medication, but you know, that's a good thing. I'm eating healthier. I'm exercising. I'm taking better care of myself as well. So I think that helps me to stay strong, even when I'm trying to get my medication regulated for me Mm -hmm. to physically be strong. But um, when you found out about your condition, didn't you feel like why? is happening to me and all that yes it was I'm, I'm a spiritual woman okay so my connection with the higher powers who whatever you believe I'm pretty universal with that <laughs> if it wasn't for that I would probably not be here today I've wanted to die many times in my How life many kids did you have back then in 2015 I had all of them uh-huh. my last child I had in 2005 okay. so I had all my children but I never tried to move forward on my feelings of wanting to die. It was always, I was taught that, you know, the ancestors are here and that they protect us. And that's how I was raised from my family. And I feel this to be true. When I see bluebirds and red birds, I know it's my ancestors, my grandmother, grandparents coming to... Like the butterflies. Yes, and the butterflies. <laughs> my my grandmother is a, so my grandmother is a monarch. Culture. 
her. Yes. My grandmother's a monarch butterfly and she's huge. She almost <laughs> looks like a bird, you know, she's so huge. And if it wasn't for those things, I probably would have taken my life a long time ago, quite honestly. It's a blessing that you didn't. Because you're still I'm, touching lives and making a difference in all those people that you come across with. And yeah, I wonder why me. I it, wanted to write a book, and I am writing one now about my life called Frassy's Novel. But the title of my book back then when I found out I had thyroid cancer was Born to Suffer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very negative. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not I'm not on that anymore on mm -hmm. the born to suffer because I've changed my mindset. Transformation. You know. mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, that's good. Okay. I also saw in your speaking resume that you're an advocate of bullying. Can you tell us something about that? Well, you know, when I was a child, I was bullied. And I think that it's something that a lot of children have had to deal with through their life. But with social media, it becomes even worse. Mm -hmm. I think for the I kids agree. today, because yeah, because they, it's all about likes on Facebook and it's all about, mm -hmm. um, and now they Except get on tense. there and they, yes, they bully. So in working at, at a boys and girls club here in Lincoln, Nebraska, as a youth specialist, the youth were bullying each other and I wanted to just kick them out. You know, it was like, you know, zero tolerance. And then I did my research for my practicum because I did my practicum there. I wanted to bring something to them of this anti-bullying campaign. And so the teenagers I worked, I did with it and it touched me. It changed my perception of being against the bully and labeling the bully mm -hmm. to the question is why? Why are they bullying? Mm -hmm. And once you sit in that circle and I did a anti-bullying restorative circle so that they can, you know, restore the harm that they've done to each other in the bullying. They were all in agreement of doing it. And some of those students spoke about why. I mean, the trauma. I mean, it was amazing. The empathy started to flow in that room amongst those youths. And so then I saw the younger members, the younger children was bullying each other too. And so I wrote this circle and we sat in this circle together. And you know what? In eight weeks, those fifth and sixth graders were best friends. That last day, instead of doing what I planned for them, they had kind words up on the chalkboard. And one young lady said, can we we go around the circle and pick our friends and say these kind words to them? And I said, no. I'm having goosebumps. <laughs> I said, no. I want you to go around the circle and say it to not just your friends, but to everyone because this is inclusive. It's inclusive. Mm -hmm. Everyone's facing the circle together. No one is in the back. No one's on the sides. We're together. Yeah. And I tell you, when we went around that circle and, and they allowed me to be a part of that process, the kind words I said to those students and the kind words that they said to one another brought tears to all of our eyes. And so I said, no more saying, this is the bully. This is the, you know, labeling them. Now I say it's a behavior. Mm -hmm. And I say the target is the person who is being bullied. So they're being targeted by bullying behavior from mm -hmm. a student or from
from a person as opposed to this person is a bully, naming them a bully and labeling them that. So I learned that that wasn't the way to do it. And finding out just how many youth get bullied in my research, 160,000 students per day in America do not attend, just in America, does not attend school for the fear of being bullied. That really happens, even in my country. And uh, some would also have suicidal tendencies. Yes. And that's not really good, even in Korea. They call it bullicide. Right. Where I'm from here in Nebraska, we have, you know, they call it bullicide. There's a young lady in New York named Felicia who has got bullied by her peers at school. And we used to, we, when we do our shows in the community, we talk about this anti-bullying. We bring these statistics and we talk about this Felicia girl who jumped in front of a train in front of her peers. And so, yes, bullying can lead to people taking their lives. And I'm passionate about it because I'm about prevention. We don't want people to die because of being bullied. We want restoration. We want to restore the situation and exactly. make sure that we uplift the harmed person as well as the person who is committing the act of bullying. Right. We want to uplift them all. Uh, would it be safe to say that it's partly because of problems with parenting that there is bullying in, in a campus? Well, I'm going to say this. There's a friend of mine when I talked with her about why children bullied, she started started crying. And this is a 40-year-old woman who was looking back at when she bullied someone else in school. And she had empathy at that moment saying, I know why I did it. It was because my dad bullied us. We were getting bullied and being harmed by his alcoholism at home. And that caused me to go to school and be harmful and bully this other student. And so when you hear stories all the way back from a student that's what, you know, goes back 45 years or so to remember her bullying experience and why she did it, I feel like we're reaching the people. I, I mentioned that because I'm also into the good parenting practice because I'm an advocate of gentle parents. Well, I guess uh, this young lady's talking about her father, you know, being a bully. That was to her and her family. That wasn't gentle parenting. But I also believe that the systems in which our children are within, for one, the school system, our Lincoln Public School System here, they really don't have an effective way of dealing with bullying behaviors in their schools. And we're having a big increase of racial bullying happening to students, like high school students, their cars are being just tore up and vandalized by a person who doesn't like them because of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. And so we do have a policy here in Nebraska with the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, mm -hmm. that states every school has to have a policy in place or there can be lawsuits by parents. Mm -hmm. But a lot of parents don't know their rights. And so they get, I think they get frustrated sometimes coming back to the parents when they feel like nothing's being done. And so I think they kind of give up, maybe move their children to another school, which is infringing upon their right to an education in their yeah. own school. I know that because my daughter was a bullet 
she's not really of color because she's not really dark skin like I am. She was the kind of the kid who was too fragile that without a father who would have taught her to be strong. And I'm a very gentle woman as well. So in her experience, she was bullied a lot ever since she was a kid. And she had to move like three schools in her lifetime. Oh my <laughs> right. She even fell down a stair. She was pushed by a classmate. And oh what was goodness. so bad about it is that when I went to school to complain and I told the prefect of discipline to investigate, the result of the investigation was that they couldn't pinpoint who was the, I'm not going to say criminal, but who was the bully who pushed right. because uh, they said that it was already dismissal time, so it was not already under their care. How can it be not under your care when it's still during 8 to 5? Mm -hmm. It was just lunch break and you know, when their kid teacher should be there looking at them because they're going down the stairs. Mm -hmm. So my daughter had scratches. I wanted to really uh, make a big deal about it because my daughter was physically, you know, harmed. Not really grave, but then I wanted to burst. I just decided to transfer her in a different and that's, school. That's what happens. The child mm -hmm. who is being the victim, they end up moving to another school just to... Mm -hmm. I, so you're you're saying what I'm saying exactly. You go through the same experience. You have been through the same thing. I don't know why she's not really confident to fight for her own when she was younger. Because even when she transferred into other schools, she was again bullied because they, they reported to her that she was wearing fake eyelashes. She was brought to the discipline committee. Her eyelashes weren't fake, so so you should have told them you can pull it out if you want. <laughs> But so I was so afraid that something will happen again to her. So I took her in the university where I taught. There's a drastic change in her. She gained friends. So I guess she gained confidence because I was also there. So I know that bullying is really a bad thing because during those times with the first school that she, she had, she was really telling me, I don't want to go to school anymore every day. I was away from her. I was in another city working as an HR manager and, you know, it really hurt. It does. It does hurt us as being a parent because when you feel like you're not finding a resolution, we feel kind of like we're failing our child. Right. And we're teaching them to just run. Mm -hmm. That's how I looked at it. You know, when I had to move my daughter to another school, I'm like, now we're running from the situation, you know, and I didn't agree with that either, but you know, it's all in the way we look at it too. It, it could be a good thing for our children to be yeah. out of that environment because exactly. environment does definitely matter in the development of our children. So, exactly. right. I mean, you'd hear from a child saying, I don't want to go to school anymore. Oh, and it hurts. That hurts as a parent. I'm glad that I finally had a school for her and she graduated with honors after that. So maybe Yay. it was really meant to be. I'm just really so proud of her because considering that she was the one who took care of me ever since the pandemic when I couldn't move anymore from waist down to my left foot. She was still able to finish with flying colors. Yeah, we're so proud of her. And so moving on, you're a bully advocate. Yes, I was bullied as a kid because of the heart condition I had. I had to deal with radiation treatment and just starting in my adolescence in middle school. And you know, adolescence is the hardest time, you know, for any of us, a lot of us. And so 
going into adolescence and losing my hair was traumatic for me as a 13, 12, 13 year old girl. I didn't want to wear wigs. Um, I had a big bald spot in the top of my head. And I remember being in the bathroom and asking one of the girls that we hung around if I could use her comb. And she said, no, I don't want my hair to fall out like your hair's falling out. And, And that broke my heart. It hurt me so bad. If we were out and about, you know, outside and I wasn't even thinking about it, one of the girls might just come and flip my hair up in the front so my big bald spot would show to everybody. I I thought the world was going to end at that time. At the very early age that it'd be, I mean, it's really something that not all kids would be able to overcome you know Mm-mm. yeah and i'm very glad that you are into that advocate is you're going to help a lot of kids yes and that's the point you know that's why i i want to survive that's why i want to be here i know that i make a difference in the lives of people i've touched many lives here in nebraska when we had the pandemic begin our university here innovation campus they started making the n94 masks those mm-hmm. plastic ones Well, they have a machine that can duplicate, like print, almost copy the mask and make the parts for it. And I put over 150 of those masks into our community for our essential workers in our community. Like a donation? Yeah, I just gave, they gave them to me by the box full. Shields too. Mm. Why not? You know what I mean? I I can just get them out there and help people Mm. to stay safe. During the pandemic, I've always wanted to be that person to help people to know that, hey, honey, I've been through it, but I'm still here. I'm still here, you know, and I'm doing good. Yeah, that's good. I've heard you told me earlier that you're also some kind of uh, OCD. Yes. Can we uh, share to our listeners what OCD is all about for those who don't know? Um, OCD is what they call a mental health condition. It means obsessive compulsive disorder. It can be a curse because you worry about everything, every little thing. You want everything to be right and everything to be perfect. Although, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. So it can cause you to feel like you're not worthy sometimes for me, because I feel like I'm not worthy because I have a mental illness, because I worry so much, and because it does affect people around me. When I work in an environment with others, I take very good notes. If I've had a conversation with someone in program development and I'm doing a collaboration with them, I'm going to keep note of the time, the date, what the email said. I mean, I cover myself with information and data to the degree it, it could get kind of hairy for the persons that I work around because it makes them feel like, well, dang, you know, because I said it's like I'm setting the bar so high for myself Mm -hmm. and then causes friction with others a lot of the time. Yeah. I'm different. Better. Yes. And I'm I'm, comp- I'm obsessive compulsive about if I feel someone's disrespecting me, mm-hmm. I will check it right there. Yeah. And then they Maybe think I'm the mad. They, they say, you're the mad black woman. Oh, no. okay. I get labeled the mad black woman. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. It's my passion that's shining through. Mm-hmm. And I'm so obsessive and compulsive about getting what it is that I came for that I'm then viewed as the mad black woman. Yeah. I get 
get what I came for, but they don't like the way I came about getting it. And I'm, I don't curse. I don't, I don't say bad things to people. I'm just uh, driven, you know, yeah. for it. They, they, they label people like us weird because they're not, we're not like them. So. When you feel that way, then, you know, also the other part of that condition is depression. It could lead you into depression because your thoughts of yourself, because you see how people are reacting to you. Yes. So then you feel like something's wrong with you. Exactly. And I'm speaking of myself when I say this because I've been there so many times before. I've been kicked out of groups because I say I'm too honest. When Black Lives Matter started happening around the U.S. and here, a lot of white ladies were trying to be good allies in our community. And so they invited me to their group and I wasn't falling for it. I'm kind of careful with people too because I've been hurt by them a lot. So I'm kind of careful with them. And those women asked me if I thought they were being good allies. And I was honest and I said, well, I know that you're learning, but no, you're being white saviors. You're not being white allies, but it's a learning process. So they said I was poisonous and this group kicked me out, like 4,000 people in this group. So how do I feel? And all the women said, (laughs) we voted against you. You know, you're out, you're poisonous. And I thought, how hurtful. Exactly. (laughs) When, When you're just being blunt. They asked for the truth. They don't want the truth to come out or maybe you're not they're not really ready for the truth they're not they don't ready want to get the word out Mm-mm. it hurts their pride mm-hmm. and then anxiety also mm-hmm. comes with that because you're like you start thinking well i'm not good enough they kicked me out the group it must be me you're so it comes back like to yeah mm-hmm. it comes back to beating myself up but to survive it the true grit and the making sure that i'm connected to my ancestors i know mm-hmm. i'm pro- protected yeah i have great social supports that that's key to survival too. Having those people that support you and lift you up when the whole group is tearing you down, you know? Right. So that leads us to actually the third main topic of the session and that's about gratitude. I know that you have a lot of things to be thankful about, but I'd like to know what are the top three things that you are grateful for? One is that I have survived so much that those times I wanted to take my life, I did not because you know what? I would not be receiving these wonderful blessings things that I'm having right now like being on your show it's a dream come true for me oh wow really That's great. So I would say that's my first one. Well, I feel so humbled by that. Thank you. The second one, because without me and my mental health being good, my children wouldn't be good, right? Mm -hmm. And so number two, my children. Because whenever I was in a pickle or in trouble, whatever the case may be, I always would reflect back to, I got to get home to my children. I have to be present for my children. So I would say that's the, the next blessing. And the third one is that my village, the people that reared me, They gave me so much support and love. And I have a principal from my grade school that I am still connected with in my community. We are Facebook friends. He writes letters of recommendation for me to get jobs from grade school. That's cool. So I'm blessed with the village that I have that band around me and and make sure that I know that I am worthy. I'm blessed in those ways. I've had that. The elementary friend and 
till now that we are already 40 and they're still helping me a lot. Yeah, I'm just taking the opportunity to shout out to my Batch 98 and DWCV here. Yeah, thank you for all your help until now that we're already having our own families and careers. Thank you so much. I might forget, you know, so I just took this time, this opportunity to thank them. <laughs> yeah, building those, those relationships have proved to be essential in the work that I do. Mm -mm. Right, In your current situation right now, what do you consider your greatest achievement? Oh, my greatest achievement is adapting that anti-bullying restorative circle. That was, to me, my greatest because it's something that is needed. I have actually done the research and got to bring it into practice and actually work it in our community. And now they want this programming in Florida. Oh, I have a friend in Florida. Yeah. And speaking um, to my college and to the Nebraska Department of Social Workers, I got to speak about it. They had me as a keynote speaker to come talk about this program. So I saw this as a child. I saw these things of myself, but to actually see them come into existence, it gives me great glory and gratitude to see my hard work. I feel like it's paying off. Right, right. Would you then consider that advocate of yours, your project as your way of glorifying your maker? Yes, most definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say in March of last Last year, I came back from visiting my daughter and it was one of the most heartbreaking trips I've ever had. And when I came back, I felt like my children were all upset and we were having a hard time. And I sat in the tub that morning after we got everybody calmed down and I wanted to die. And the devil was over here saying, go get the box cutter out your room. It's easy. You're in the water. You will just die and bleed out and don't nobody want you. I saw the Lord before me. I saw him. I felt him before me. I knew he was right before me. And I knew my grandmother, her wings, because she's a guardian angel. And I felt her wings around me. And that's how I got out that tub and survived not doing what the devil was sitting on my shoulder telling me to do. It's very spiritual. Wherever I'm at, whatever I'm going through, it's me and my maker. Yeah. I, I may be doing something bad and I'll say, Lord, you know, you know my situation, you know. <laughs> I have that same situation too. Yeah, but I need you to save me. Wait, Lord, wait. <laughs> I'm not the perfect person, but wait, Lord. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, sometimes we all do that. It makes us human, but <laughs> yeah. What are your last messages to people who are being bullied, to solo parents like us, people who are living with uh, certain conditions, chronic it is, or, or with disability? Would you like give them a message? Yes. Don't focus on those, what we consider as negative things. I try to look at them as life transition. So just know that you're learning and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to have mental illness. You can still be worthy of whatever dreams and accomplishments and goals that you want to set for yourself. You have to stay focused on those smart goals and making sure that you're putting a time frame when you want to achieve these goals. And when you don't, it's okay. Change the day. Learn more. You're worthy no matter what. Know that God put you here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Ubuntu culture is what I am bringing, which means 
means I am because we are. Ubuntu. Mm -hmm. It's a African proverb and it means I am because we are. Mm -hmm. So if you can learn from other people how to survive whatever it is that you may be going through and stay true to your spirituality, stay true to yourself, take care of you, know that you are, you're worthy of anything that you want to do. Believe me, I am your witness. I am sitting here testifying to you right now. I've come from a lot of trauma in my life, but I'm still here and I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to be here touching the people and teaching and uplifting the people. I'm doing that and you can too. You're an atom of true grit. Thank you. Yeah. When so I saw the word grit, I thought, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm actually so glad that you said yes, because it really bothers me sometimes that I'm just a newbie podcaster, that big people out there or successful people out there wouldn't want to be my show. But I'm just so glad that so far I've booked a lot of American writers, successful speakers, businessmen. You're one of them. That's thank you. Great. My mother told I'm me to tell you so thank thankful. you. Really? My mommy said thank you. Yes. My mother said <laughs> thank you. My children, they're excited. If oh. you send a link. They're going to tune in and we'll bring you some followers. Thank you. Thank you. People go to my Facebook page, Andrea Evans. I'm the lady with the curly hair with the Bob Marley shirt on. (laughs) I have several pages that support the book, the anti-bullying and all those types of things. And so, you know, you are a big deal to us. And so (laughs) don't call yourself a little podcaster, honey. You've had the courage (laughs) and the grit to get on here and do this. You know what I mean? So, yay to Miss Myrna Faye. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for being here with us. So, do you have anything that you want to plug before we wrap up the show? Well, our Dream Achievers Arts and Science program is a program that I have. I'm the CEO. I'm the founder since 2005. We do Mother's Day picnics and we do them every year for the last 10 years. You can go to that page, which is at Dream Too Big to Fail. That is how you will get to our Dream Achievers page. Mm-hmm. Go like it. Go look around. Reach out. You can also reach out to me there. Right. right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, don't worry, guys. I'll have every link that would like us to look into later on in my podcast description. So thank you very much again, Andrea, for being with us. Good luck to all your projects. Keep touching life and making a difference in this world. Yes, you do the same. Yeah, I will. <laughs> like, great. Thank you. <laughs> True grit. Yes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Say hi to your family and to your mom as well for me. Hi, mommy. Hi, Stella. <laughs> hey, Fashion. Okay, I'm gonna name all my seven. Sure, sure, hi, sure. Terrell, Raymond, Kendall, Simeon, Emma, Adria, and hi to my wonderful eldest daughter, Fashion. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Hi to all of them. And regards, stay safe and Thank be you. happy. Yes, we will. Yeah. Okay, so bye-bye, Andrea. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Spotify or in any of the platforms where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search for Grit Garden Gratitude. Kindly give a rating and leave a review. And you may also send a voice message or email if you have any questions related to the podcast through the following channels. On IG, that is at Miss Marina Faye, that's Reggie. On my FB page, TikTok and Twitter, that is at Miss Marina Faye. You may also contact me through my email, that is greatgloryandgratitude at gmail.com. We'll soon be uploading the video podcast of my episodes as well on my YouTube channel, that is at Marina Faye 3G Podcaster. 
And guys, if you want to launch your podcast or personal brands online, you may contact our podcast management and marketing agency through IG, F page, and TikTok. That is at Impact Podcasters. Why not, guys? Because all those links will be written in the episode description. Once again, this is your host, Mirna Fe, rekindling your true grit. Love you all. Bye bye.